Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of 7 Million Bikes. My name is Neil Mackay. I'm your host as always. Thank you for listening. So today my guest is Susan Lee. Hi Susan. Hello. Now Susan's uh, another Canadian. You're the third Canadian. That's crazy. That's been on the show. So Susan uh, has been very busy since she got to Saigon. She's helped to co-found the Saigon Soul Pool Parties, which were a mainstay of the Saigon scene in the summer, one of the coolest things to do. Um, she's helped co-found the Female Expats Group, also known as the Fexpats, which has now over 12,000 members and about to celebrate its fifth year. So that's a Facebook group just for females. Um, she's also co-founded the Honey Badger Events, which has cool events going on all over the city. And just because she's not busy enough, she's about to open her own bar with Matt Ryan of Union Jacks which the name is still to TBD, right? So we're going we're gonna to look out for that one. And also, which is one of the coolest things ever, when I was talking to Susan to set up this uh, podcast interview, she's actually listened to all of the 7 Million Bikes episodes, which is cool. So I think you're all, the first guest who's also a listener. Now, female expats, um, tell, describe what is the female expats group then? It's female expats and locals of Ho Chi Minh City. Um, so when we first... Anytime you move to a new place, you're always wondering where to find things, how, like how, f- trying to find the lay of the land. And so uh, 
you can ask in group forms, but the thing is there's a lot of group forms there that quickly spiral into something completely negative. And so uh, actually my friend Joanne Murphy was the first person to approach me. He's like, look, you know, I want to ask these questions. I can't ask it on these forms. Do you want to start a group? And so she came up with the idea and I was like, yeah, I'm on board. And that's how it all started was because we wanted to ask questions about where to find things. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like a safe space for women, right? Yes, it's super safe. Uh, We have rules, a lot of rules, but it's the way, that's the reason why it's such a safe place to ask questions. It's very positive. Um, People are like always thanking us for creating this group. Um, I really love it and I'm so glad that it happened. Um, I think it's just, I think being in the community here, uh, there's such a small population of expats. It's so important that uh, we kind of stick together, but I mean, I love the locals on it too. Like they, they're the ones with the really good insights and um, it's all about like blending people in, bringing each other closer. And that's kind of what I find the female expats group to be. Um, so we just call it Fexpats for short because female expats and locals of Ho Chi Minh City <laughs> is quite long. Yeah. And you're celebrating your fifth year? Yes. That's crazy. June 29th is our fifth year. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so we've not discussed this yet. Um, do we, let's talk about why did you need to create a safe space? Well, there's a lot of bored people in Ho Chi Minh. And so some of the expat forums are full of trolls. And like you can ask something simple and it just gets abu- could get very abusive uh, about nothing. Like mm. it could be like, oh, I'm trying to find like, runners but I don't want to go to like a really expensive store where can I find a decent pair that's not like a complete knockoff that's going to fall apart in like two days and then it will go from there like chances are someone's gonna like say something super negative like why don't you uh, go back to your own country <laughs> yeah. yeah and so I don't know because I don't know every group in the world, but um, I don't know if it's unique to Saigon. So if you've, if you've, if you're listening and you lived in Saigon or you have lived in Saigon, you understand what we're talking about. If you've never lived here and you're listening, the Facebook groups in Saigon for expats are supremely negative, many of them, and and exactly what Susan's saying. You can ask anything innocuous, and it just turns into just horrible, like to the point. So to the point where you don't want to post in these groups, right? Like, yes. I've left most of them. I'm only a member of the few of them and it's a shame because there's sometimes that you want, you know, a safe place and I'm, I'm not female so I can't join their group. I'll get my wife to maybe ask in the female <laughs> expats group and then she can find out for me. I've actually, it's funny that you said that you ask your wife to post on female expats. We hear that all the time. It's like anytime they have a question, it's like, uh, wifey, girlfriend, can you do me a favor? Can you post it on Fexpats for me, please? Because you'll actually get answers versus like, why are you here? You should learn how to do it yourself. Or like, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And it's always just like, it just, it spirals into something that has nothing to do with the original question. Like people just like start putting in their comments. And I, I've, I've always wondered how many of those people actually even live in Saigon. 
because I've definitely seen people make comments and you kind of look and I'm pretty sure they don't live here because anyone can join them and it's like why are you wasting your time on this group like I'm just trying to find out an answer to something that I need help with so um it's been a, it's a it's one of the, the negative things about living here is the Facebook groups but I think it's getting better I know Lawrence Young started a non-true Facebook group that's that's getting more and more members I think it's up to like a thousand members now and that feels like a bit of a safer place but that's cool I didn't know that I'm not the only one that asks a <laughs> wife to post I hear that all the time all the time and the thing is like I know there's been a few groups that they've tried to do like uh, positive mm. expats and locals of Ho Chi Minh City like there's been a few groups that they've just trying to like do the more positive thing which is great but um it's just like it's just not being they're just not very active it's funny because when we first created Fexpats, we had to post in expats to tell people about this group. And so you should have seen the messages that we got. It was so funny. At the oh, same time, same time, uh, someone's like, oh, I'm going to create a group for males and copied and pasted our group description, just changed it to male and then created like a males, male expats and locals of Ho Chi Minh City and like copied and pasted our first original group description. And like, I think last time I checked, which was like a year ago, it was still exactly the same as our old like rules and stuff. Did it have members? Uh, it did. It? It, they, they do have members, but it was, they, they did it out of spite. Yeah. And then some people who joined it wanted it to be like Vexpats, but it isn't, and so I don't know what their current... Like, you know, I don't keep tabs on them or anything like that, so I have no idea what their current status is, but um, I've had guys come up to me like, oh, I wish, like, I wish, like, Fexpats was, like, male-friendly, or, like, I wish I could join that group, or I wish we had a group that's similar. But, I mean, like, with any group, it takes a while to, like, take off. Like, the first year, we only had a few hundred people, and then then just word eventually gets out and then it just kind of blows up and like constantly having to check over profiles, see if it's like a fake profile, real profile, is this a guy? So how many admins do you have and how much time does that take? Uh, we have about, I think, eight admins last time I checked. Um, everyone, depending on who you are, like contributes as much time as you can. Um, I'll be honest, like I haven't been able to contribute crazy amount of time but like I help out in other ways like uh throwing an anniversary party and stuff um but yeah like we constantly have to debate on certain issues that come up um but uh generally there's a few few admins on there that are great and they're super active and there's a few people that kind of sit back at different times right now I definitely have a lot on my plate so I'm sitting back a little bit but um but yeah like the community is really great and they kind of police themselves a bit so which is good um but now like f facebook groups gotten even better so if you raise a post it tells you like like get pop the rules pop up and you just click which rule they broke and then you send it off so it's really it's it's gotten much easier and what are your rules that you think have helped make the group successful uh well there's a couple things um if you're going to try to sell something on our group, you have to provide a 10% discount, especially for our members of our group. Uh, this helps because it doesn't, we don't get bombarded by sales posts. Um, and then members get a benefit out of it, so it's kind of like a win-win situation. And then people get to advertise their business. Um, no, we don't allow uh, housing posts 
Uh, we allow for roommates, like people who are looking for like a roommate or something like that. But we don't like uh, we don't allow uh, housing landlords, like people who are just because that just fills up. It fills up the space a lot, and uh, <laughs> yeah, because like it, the reason for the group is to be to have a helpful community, and so it's not helpful when you start getting bombarded by advertisements, and that's not what our group's about. And so we even had to like take out clothing posts because it was just like everyone's constantly moving and getting rid of clothes and we're just like okay like today's feed is like 80% clothes and so we had to put in a room of like okay guys sorry no clothing posts but hey there's another group here it's empty your closet specific for clothing sales just go there so we try to be helpful but we're also trying to uh keep the group like uh down to its core message but it's like we've got to, had some interesting debates and issues come up that like we had debate in the group. We debate as a men. And so what um, has been the most rewarding thing from female expats? Uh, I think just everyone like being so grateful and thankful that this group exists and just uh, forming. Men included. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Forming connections. Like so, you know, people end up coming, uh, coming to Ho Chi Minh for the first time and they don't know anyone. So they'll just like post on there like, hey, like anyone want to meet up for a coffee or something? I'm new to town, trying to get my bearings, meet new friends. And so some people... Uh, I think that's a great example that if they posted that post, that exact same thing on another group, uh, the comments would be horrible and it wouldn't be helpful for that person. And I've seen people post things in those other groups when it's like you're scaring this person away before they've even got here, like they're going to come here and just think so negatively of Saigon. And it's not like that at all. And you're just some troll that might not even live here. And you're just like attacking this person for asking an innocent question. And so, yeah, that, that's a good point that people can go and say those kind of, make those terms, just completely innocent comments, but then get, you know, positive feedback from it. Definitely. And like, that's the thing. Like, that's why this group exists it's just for you to like see, like ask questions try to meet up with people and not get attacked but that being said like some of those expat groups they have so many members and we have like a team of eight people and we still miss stuff and like it is a lot of time committed to it like people message me all the time like why am I not being accepted why did my post get erased and like and sometimes just like it's gone to the point where I'm like, can you please read over the rules again and tell me why you think your post got erased? Because it's like, it's, it's getting... It's such a teacher move. It is such a teacher <laughs> move. But it's also like, you clearly don't remember the rules. You need to refresh yourself. Like, figure it out. You're, you're an adult. <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah. You tell me why it's wrong and then I'll tell you if you're right. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Best answer ever. Like, I do that all the time. It's like, save my... Like, because you have to like ask what was your post about like oh then I think it's this reason but it's just like back and forth it's like mm. it takes like it doesn't just take like two seconds it's like it's back and forth back and forth back and forth oh why didn't you tell me blah blah, blah. I was like well read over the rules again like if it breaks the rules your post will be erased like like if I were to go and message everyone like oh I'm gonna erase your post because of this this and this reason like that'd be a full-time job yeah and it's not a job, right? It's just like... It's a volunteer-based yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, you know, like, we've created this community. It's great. All the men vol- 
volunteers their time and just like and like a lot most people appreciate it it's just sometimes like I think you get caught up in what's happening to you right now that you forget like hey like nobody gets paid on this form <laughs> like we're just doing it to help everyone out and I think people are mostly grateful and sometimes they just forget yeah. and so uh five-year party what's the plans for that then uh we're having a big uh shindig at Arakan. Um, and it's a daytime thing, so it's like a marketplace. So we've got people in the community having their booths, and then uh, we're doing donations to Little Rose Bakery. Awesome. Yeah. So have you got stuff from there before? Uh, I, we're gonna have a booth with all their uh, some of their cookies and stuff for sale as well. Sweet. But uh, we've done fun. Honey Badgers have done lots of fundraising for both Little Rose Bakery and uh, Rad 7, Rescue Animals in District 7. Is that something else you helped found? Yes, I helped found that too. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We'll get yeah. to that in a bit. No, so Little Rose, so I, I work for a charity and we support Little Rose and they're unbelievable. So Little Rose is a shelter in District 7 for about 14 young girls who are either at risk of being sold into sex trafficking, have been rescued from sex trafficking, come from abusive families, and Little Rose is an unbelievable shelter. It gives them a safe place to live. They get English lessons. They get schooling. They get vocational training. And one of the things they get training for is um, in baking. And so they have their own bakery, which is kind of runs separately called Little Rose Bakery. Go check it out. Look it up on Facebook. So just last week at work, we ordered like a whole bunch of eclairs and um, baked goods and had them delivered. Unbelievable. They're so good. And um yeah, an amazing way to help them. It's not just giving them money. Give them money as well because they do need it, but um, giving them a job and giving them a purpose and things like that. So that's cool. And are men invited to the, the expat, the female expat party? It, they are. Woo. Everyone is welcome to come. Like, uh, we're just trying to be more of an inclusive society. Uh, but yes, it's an event where guys are welcome and dogs are welcome. So. Yeah. Do you think any like real life trolls would show up and someone's got like a megaphone being like, I'm starting a men's group? I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, if that would be very interesting if it, it did funny, happen, yeah. actually. I think that would actually give us really good social media. Like, I think that could become viral actually trolls are such a phenomenon though right like i don't get it like why are these people the way they are online and it's like you would never say that in real life i hope you wouldn't i've never heard someone say anything like what you read online and i don't think i know anyone who's a troll like i think it's like you have this like online persona that you feel like you could do anything with you know like i doubt any of them have the real names either like some you think so though? I think some of them do. And that's well, some what, of them probably And that's do. what blows my mind because some people are doubtful of like Reddit because it's anonymous. But Reddit's like a way more helpful community. I don't know if you use Reddit, but people there like, there's not really much trolling like that. It just kind of gets filtered out. Like it's just, it's just a completely different community to Facebook, which I don't understand because Facebook, it's mostly your real name and your real picture. And these people just go to town with the trolling. But on Reddit, it's completely anonymous, but it seems to be, like, self-policed where people don't do that. I'm curious, like, maybe from your listeners that's in other countries, do you guys have trolls in forums in your own country? Like, because, like, I am honestly not part of Facebook communities in other parts of the world anymore, because, I mean, I've been here for six years, so, like, I'm based here, so... 
all my stuff is related to here. I wonder if there are trolls in other countries, yeah. on other groups, in other forums. Like, I'm curious go. about that. If you're from another country, send us a message on Facebook, let us know. Is it unique to Saigon? It's bad here anyway, I know that. So let's move on to Honey Badger events. Tell us about that. How did that come about? Because that's quite new, right? Well, yeah, it's new and it's not new because, like, I've been doing events for a long time. So even with the pool parties, sometimes I do, like, a one-off. Like, uh, usually every year I do a pub crawl, so, like, 12 pubs of Christmas. Um, and then last year we did eight bars of Hanukkah just because by the 12th bar it's just too messy and you lose half the, like, it's hard for people well, to... You lose half the night. Yeah. <laughs> You get to the 12th by, like, I'm going to remember six. Yeah, yeah. So, like, people either, like, start late or they end early. So we decided this year, instead of doing 12, we'd do eight bars of Hanukkah. And it really turned out super well. Um, we had sponsorship from Bacardi. And then we were able to uh, go to every venue. We'd get our first drink for free. And then one of the venues we got uh, was actually on a Seaclo ride. So everyone popped on a Seaclo. We had like uh, blue Santa hats and we rode through the city. We stopped at Union Jack's and we got like a cone of fish and chips. And we're like drinking beer while we're getting cycled through the city. It was super fun. Missed that one, damn it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was brilliant. Actually, like I keep running into people who were on it, and they just like cannot stop talking about uh, it. Cool. So we we'll definitely have to do it again soon. So from that, you kind of formalized it into a company. Well, we formalized it before. So what was happening was I was doing events, and my business partner Alina Tran, uh, she was doing events, and I was actually helping her with her events, and then she was helping me a bit with my events, and I'm like, hey, like let's just form like an event company because it's something that we're doing it's like kind of like a passion project that we're doing on the side of everything else that we're involved in because I'm super busy she's super busy but like we come together and we do these events and it's super fun because me and her like always on the same page and like as soon as I say it she's thinking it and like vice versa like we're so lucky that we have such a good partnership but one of the first things that I helped her do was um dinner and a show and that uh, was a fundraiser for Little Rose Bakery. And so that's kind of like the first event where like I was actively helping her with her event. And that's when we started forming um, our business. Uh, officially after my I had a bad accident last August, I severed my ACL. And so I was off my feet for a little bit. And of course, when you're bored, you start a business. That's what you do. Uh, so started like just heavily like doing, working on websites and creating all this like events while I'm like in crutches, getting back from the hospital. I'm like, oh, I can't do anything. So let me get on the computer and be productive. <laughs> and so because, so you had a bad accident an interesting question might be for someone who's thinking of moving here or living here. How's like the healthcare for that? Like, um, you know, if someone's coming here and they're like, well, what happens? What happens when you have an accident here? You know, were you looked after? Is it problematic? I was very lucky. Uh, I had so many people come to my aid when it happened. Um, it was like in the moment. In the moment, yeah. Like just people stopped and people helped. Like it was amazing. Um, I don't speak Vietnamese, and so like. I have, like, only, like, one or two good friends that, like, can speak English really well and, be, like, obviously is Vietnamese. Um, but, like, my one go-to person was in Canada that when it happened. I just got back from a trip from home. So I was in Canada, came back. Three days later, I got into this accident. And, oh, my God, it was so heartbreaking because, like, 
just left home and everyone's like, why aren't you here? We miss you. We love you and stuff. So like, you're kind of like gone back and it's like fresh, like this like open wound of like emotions fresh. And then again, to this crazy accident and like my one go-to person was not there. I'm just like, oh my God, what do I do? I just like bawled my eyes out and just like, they kept like saying like, is there someone you can call? And I'm like, "Ah, ah, (laughs) it wasn't that bad, but like it was, yeah, it was kind of dramatic. Um, but we had uh, people who stopped. One guy called an ambulance. These girls that were walking back from their lunch break could speak English. So they stopped to help translate between the guy who was calling the ambulance. There's another guy who took my bike. There's like this, uh, I didn't know about this, but they have this whole like um, community of like people in the, the community that when they see a bike accident, what they do is they stop and they secure your bike for you. So they put your bike in a like a proper location where you can go gather it, get it later, so that you know your bike doesn't end up getting stolen or something like that. I didn't know this like this 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 society existed until someone told me about it after I told them what happened. So it was very interesting. Um, I got brought to a local hospital. Um, facilities weren't great, um, but people were very like uh, very friendly and very helpful. Um, but the one advice I would give to people who are traveling here is have insurance. Have insurance. I was a walking billboard for insurance because if I did not have this insurance, I would have not. I would have been fifteen thousand dollars in the hole from my knee. Like surgery is expensive, and like because I'm not a resident of Canada, it's not like I could go back to Canada and like get everything fixed for free because I'm like. You have to be a resident or you have to be paid. You're not a resident of Canada because you've been away for so long. Yes. Yeah, and I'm the same in the UK. Yeah, yeah. to remain a resident of Canada, you have to be in Canada six months plus a day Mm -hmm. to keep your resident status, Mm. right? Like, I'm still Canadian, obviously. Yeah, 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 no, I know what you mean. Yeah, because I'm not paying into the system there. Like, I'm not paying my taxes there. It's the same in the UK. I thought that I would always be covered by the NHS when I went back to the UK. And then I only found out, like, last year. Same thing. They were like, oh, no, you need health insurance to go back to the UK. And I was like, but I'm I'm a citizen. They're like, no, no, you're not a resident. I was like, yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm the same. I always have insurance. I won't go a day anywhere without insurance. Well, you know what? I played with fire because, like, the first three years, I didn't have insurance. Uh, mainly because, like, my boyfriend at the time was just like, you don't need insurance, you just go back home, Canada. And it's just like, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) But, like, in his head, it works this way. And so finally, like, I was like, no, I'm getting insurance. And then I tried to convince him to get insurance, but he never did it. Um, But then, like, I was a walking billboard. Everyone's like, oh, my God, I have to, like, oh, my God, this is what happened. My insurance company was amazing. And, like, like, kept sending sending my insurance lady, like, hey, like, talk to this person, like, you know, it's just because of what happened to me, I don't want something like this to happen to someone and not have, like, have coverage for them. Like, it's just, it could be so expensive and it happens over a split second and, you know, you're going to, like, why do not pay, like, what, 500, 600, maybe 1,200, like, a year and, like, one accident, 15,000, and it wasn't, like, a big surgery, you know? It's a very common surgery that... uh a lot of athletes suffer from like I was just shocked like mm. I'm so happy that I had insurance I'm a, I'm a massive advocate of insurance uh, to the point where I think I bore people sometimes but I, yeah I'm just I will never take that risk because yeah I agree exactly it can be a split second it can't even be that big a deal but yeah it will be expensive so um yeah 
Definitely. So that's a good tip. Anyone thinking of coming here? And then, so how was the healthcare after that? After you, you said it wasn't great. The first hospital you went to. Yeah, like I mean, like when I f the problem is there's also the language barrier. Like the doctor could speak a little bit of English, but like not a lot. And you know, when you get into an accident, you're like swollen, so you can't get proper testing done. Like you can only do certain types of testing. Um, they checked to see if any organs were damaged, and which was really great. Um, but they never said like, hey, like in a few weeks, go get an MRI. And so it took a while, but then I figured out like a month later that my ACL was severed. And then so that's when I started like going through like insurance and stuff. Um, but I was lucky my insurance covered uh, hospitals in Bangkok. So I ended up going to Bangkok to get my knee surgery just because it is hit and miss here. Certain th the facilities are great, and but like, it's sometimes about the bottom line here because it's like all the hospitals that uh, like expats want to go to, they're all private hospitals. And so it's all about the bottom line, how much money they make. So one time I went to FE hospital, which is supposed to be one of the fancier ones. And what happened was I must've drank some really bad liquor, but I was like sick for a whole weekend. I could not keep water down. And I was just like, Okay, it's been like 48 hours. I can't keep water down. I need to go get an IV because I know like my, I'm dehydrated and it's not healthy. And they try to like convince me that I needed to do like uh, a CT scan because I might have appendicitis. And then he was pushing in the middle of my stomach where my appendix is supposed to be apparently. And then I was just like, no, that's not where my appendix is. I'm pretty sure... I'm, I'm pretty just, sure if you have an appendicitis, you know you have an appendicitis. Is it not one of the most painful things that can happen to you? Yeah, it's definitely. And it's going to be on your side, side right? yeah, yeah, yeah. where your appendix is, <laughs> not in the middle of your stomach. But I said specifically, like, well, it hurts because you're pushing so hard on my stomach. And then they're like, oh, you need a CT scan. It was like, 250 US dollars, please. And it's just like, oh, no, thank you. Like, I definitely know that's not where my appendix is, so... And then you try to get another doctor to come over and be like, oh, we will not be responsible if your appendix, like, explodes. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure my appendix in the middle of my stomach is not going to explode. <laughs> yeah, just give me an IV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, is a, it is a worrying thing. I know I've thought about it in the past. I've not really had any major problems, but the healthcare system here can be okay, but it can be hit and miss. Yeah. Things. And I think what happens is because it's so hit and miss that, like, we rely less on the doctors here. And so you end up just going straight to the pharmacy and like giving the description of what you have because you feel sometimes the doctors have exactly the same training as a pharmacist. It's like ridiculous. And then also like some things that I would have gone to the doctor if it happened in Canada. I just don't go here because I'm like, chances are they're not going to know what's going to happen, like what's happening. So like, it's not good. Mm. I, it's difficult not having confidence in doctors. That is a challenge here because mm -hmm. I've been a couple of times and you do sometimes get some misdiagnosis or, or the don't diagnose something and it's and I know for some people I know they, they say yeah I, you know go to the doctor you're sick and they're like well no because he's not gonna tell me what's wrong with me and it's like that's not a good situation yeah to be in right 100 percent agree <laughs> someone told me I won't name the hospital recently but someone told me the hospital that I regularly go to or like kind of clinic if I if I, I ever need to go they speak really good English and so I always feel like you know quite comfortable there but a Vietnamese colleague of mine told me that it's not actually that good a hospital. They can just speak good English. Oh. So that's why the, well, the expats go there. But it's not actually good quality. And I was like, oh. But I'm, I'm stuck in a hard place. Like, what do I do? Yeah. I can't really go to a... 
a better Vietnamese hospital because I'm the same, I don't speak Vietnamese and I'm not going to rely on all my Vietnamese friends every time to be like, hey, i got to go to the doctors, can you come with me? Like, Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel sorry for my one Vietnamese friend that I'm always like, what does this mean? Translate for me. <laughs> I used to be really bad. And if you're listening, uh, I'm sorry, I used to have to call you all the time and we... Um, we, we used to live with her boyfriend, Peter, and um, I would have problems with my bike. Sorry about the dogs in the background. If you've heard previous episodes, you've heard these same dogs barking all the time. It's Vietnam. This is just a good example of what it's like to live... The real Vietnam. The real Vietnam. There's always noise in the background. Um, we always had problems with our motorbike, and I'd be calling her like, nearly every couple of days. Can you talk to the mechanic? And, like, you know... Yeah. But you, you, you feel bad eventually, you're like, I can't keep relying on you. Yeah, I know. I've started to, like, utilize Google Translate a lot, a lot more. It's, I mean, it's, you know what, I figured out what the problem is. When you're translating Vietnamese to English, it's because we can't type with all the accents. Mm. If we can type with the accents, I'm sure it'll be more accurate, yeah. but, like, I don't know how to type with the accents. <laughs> well, the other problem with Vietnamese to English or Vietnamese is it's, a lot of it's not literal translations, you know, like some of the phrases or concepts like I read a document like a, it was kind of explaining how difficult Vietnamese is it's one of them it's like someone showed me a language tree in English and in, in Vietnamese is almost as far away as you can get in terms of like an etymology of where the languages came from they share the Roman alphabet but apart from that they almost share nothing else and so uh, this was like a passage of text in Vietnamese and then it was translated into English like literally and if you translate it like word for word, it it just means nothing. So it's really difficult to make it into English because you need to actually un- need to understand what the Vietnamese is saying, not like what the word actually is. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think from what I've understood and what I've heard is they just have very basic vocabulary. Like uh, one word will mean like a whole bunch of different things, but it's because they just have a limited vocabulary. So it's depending on where that word sits in the sentence or how, like, what it's paired up with, it means completely different things. I believe so, yeah. Well, like, there's the same word for blue and green. I did not know that. Yeah, San, San X-A-N-H. But one of them, if you say it in the full way, it's um, green of the tree or blue of the sky. But most of the time it's just San. Oh. But and if you think about it, if you point to that and you go, what color is that? And you go, sand, and it's green. Well, then you know, yeah, they're saying green, right? Yeah, yeah. But I don't know where it would get difficult. Where if it's blue and green next to each other, and you're like, what color is that? I don't know. Yet. Yeah. But this is the difficulties of living here. So let's talk about um, Rad Seven then. So um, I forgot about that. That's awesome. So Rad Seven's an animal welfare charity. Yes. So like in D two, they have ARC Arc. Um, and they're amazing, but they're based out of Taodian. And, uh, so I used to live in D7 back in the day for my first two years to live there. And, uh, I used to like, just like end up bringing these poor kittens home with me every time. Like there's like cats, like was constantly having kittens in my garage. And so like the security guard got to the one point where they start collecting cats for me to rescue. And so... I, like, take them home, and I spend, like, hours picking fleas off of them with tweezers. It was, like, so painful, like, sweating my ass off. You're getting known as the crazy cat lady Yes. Well, Well, actually, that's kind of what my goal is later on. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. But, yeah, I've always wanted, like, this, like, big cat palace of, like, cats just, like, everywhere. But, yeah, goals in life, right? (laughs) So, anyway, so I used to rescue a lot of kittens, and last 
pair that I had, like, my boyfriend at the time was like, no more kittens. Like, we had them for, like, I think a month and a half before we found foster homes for them. And he's like, no more. I'm putting my foot down. But uh, my business partner, Lena, also does the same thing. Like, me and her, we're just cut from the same cloth. Two crazy cat ladies. Yeah, we're two crazy cat ladies that cut, carry whiskey flasks with us everywhere. That's that's kind of like the basis of how we became friends. <laughs> you are, that is, yeah, you're right. That is, you're famous for that. You always got a whiskey flask with you, right? Yeah. Well, the reason why I have a whiskey flask is there's a lot of places that you end up, they don't serve whiskey. So you can't be like, hey, crew, like, can we just not come here because they only serve beer and I don't drink beer? Like, I don't want to put that on people. So I am a very organized, <laughs> prepared person, and that's why I always have a whiskey flask. You are famous for that, being very organized. Yes. I think that's I heard that about you before I'd ever met you. Oh, really? You're like the most organized person ever. Because you put on all these events and it's always like just yeah. well-structured, well-organized. I've never seen you with a clipboard, but I feel like you would be a person that you would see with a clipboard walking about. You should get one, I think. Uh, yeah, well, sometimes I'll have a clipboard. <laughs> if I'm at an event and I've got like things to like, yeah, I do sometimes have a clipboard. but Clipboard and a whiskey flask. <laughs> Well, I try to like keep the drinking to a minimal if, I've, if I'm responsible for yeah. things. <laughs> so you don't see those two things together. It's either the whiskey flask or the clipboard. Well, no, the, the I, it's kind of one of those like I'll have the clipboard at the beginning of the night and I'll have the whiskey flask at the end of the night. <laughs> but there's a transitional period where like once like responsibility is done, like, okay, yeah. time for a whiskey hour or hours. So to what? <laughs> Go back to the Rad 7. So you were a crazy cat lady. Yes. And then? <laughs> so, uh, so like, I used to rescue cats, but I've been out of DSM for a long time, but my partner, Lena, still lives there, and so she's still ongoing rescuing animals, um, but vet bills are just fucking expensive, right? I know. So, <laughs> yeah, so, like, when you're constantly, like, picking strays up and, like, getting them fixed and, like, brought back to health, it's really draining, and then so I, like... With me and her, we organi- started organizing Rad 7. So I created kind of like all their like logos and Facebook group and got all that started. And then she runs a group of volunteers. So like I help out um, just on the side doing kind of like visuals for them. And then when we do an event to raise money for, the, for Rad 7, I help out with that. But uh, she's definitely kind of leading the charge on that one. Is it just cats or any? Cats, dogs, everything. Mm-hmm. We've had... We've rescued dogs that were chained up and we had to like convince the owner to give up the dog and like the cost of like lots of like hundreds of dollars like to vet bills to get this poor dog back in shape. Like it was just, they were just like not being fed, like they had different diseases and like it was just, yeah, it was really heartbreaking sometimes. And you're still taking donations for Rad 7? Yes, always. Uh, We're always taking donations, and it goes straight to vet bills. We don't keep any money to ourselves. Just to the vet. Just to the vet. But, like, uh, it's great. We work with uh, White Ocean Clinic, um, and they're really great. They give us a a different price list. We get discounts. uh, And when we rescue an animal, we have it there. Like, you can also go straight there and say, like, I want to donate to this animal. And then they'll just like take, they'll just put the money right towards the bill. So they've been really great. Um, and all our volunteers, like without them, we could not be running. And like people in the community in general, like they just want to help. So some people, you can help by donating, but you can also help by fostering animals 
or best of all, adopting an animal, which is... One of the things I do see on many of the Facebook groups, and they always get controversial comments, is when people say, oh, I have to go back home, who can take my animal, whether it's a cat or a dog? That's quite common, right? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I would say, like, if you want to take on an animal, like, look into where you're planning to move to next and check the laws and whether or not you can afford to bring your animal with you. Because it is unfair. Like, you take on an animal, you should take that animal on for life and... I, I mean, like, everyone's situation is different. Like, people can get an animal when you're in a couple and then breakup happen. Like, I have to say, like, I've been, like, guilty of it myself. Um, it's just sometimes your situation changes. Mm, yeah, cool. And you're no longer able to keep an animal. But if you're an expat and you know you're not going to stay here forever, you know your situation. Mm. You know that is your situation. Well, that, when we got Biscuit, that was the, the biggest decision that was the biggest thing we had to research because we, we're residents of New Zealand and that's where we'll move back to. And it just so happens that New Zealand has the strictest laws on bringing pets in and Vietnam is not a rabies-free country. So if we want to go back to New Zealand, we'll have to move to another country for anywhere from three to six months with yeah. Biscuit before we can even go back to New Zealand. And we had to take that into consideration. Like, how much do we want a dog? We're going to be here for the foreseeable future, but maybe not forever. So when we do make that decision to go back, New Zealand, yeah, we have to know that we're gonna have to move somewhere else, and yeah. ultimately we're like, right, we're gonna do it. And yeah, we're glad we have, but at one point in the future, it's gonna be something that we'll have to deal with, right? Yeah, well, you know, like it's gonna be a probably a cool experience living somewhere else. Yeah. So well, we found out recently from the vet here that you can actually go back to the UK quite easily, mm-hmm. and if you stay in the UK for three months, then you can go back to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And I haven't lived in the UK for fifteen years. So Do you have family there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would be cool maybe to go back though for three months and spend some time there. Yeah, totally. And you technically don't need to be there for three months. Yeah, the yeah. Dog the needs dog needs to be. Yeah. So, so you can always go back for a few, like a month or something like that. Leave it with a relative. Mm. Leave your. I know that's hard, but... Mom, if you're listening, you're going to get a dog soon to add to the two that you already have. There you go. See? <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah, there you I go. love solving Done. problems. That's kind of like my thing. She's got a clipboard out already. <laughs> yes. Writing it down. So I have a personal question for you. Are you single at the moment? Because you've mentioned a couple of times about a breakup. Yeah, um, I am single. Uh, same with you. I had moved here with a partner. Um, but, uh, we broke up, um, it didn't work out, which is totally fine. Cause like it's brought me where I am today. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's really tough. Uh, like first it took me a while to be open to dating. Cause like I was with my ex for six years and before that I was with someone for six and a, uh, sorry, three and a half years. So like between the two of them, it's like a decade to get like with one one person at, at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it took me a while. Like, I think, like, you just kind of lose yourself a lot in, in a relationship. Like, sometimes you give and take. And anyways, uh, so, yes, I'm single now. Uh, it's definitely, it's different. Well, my question was going to be, and the reason I asked that is because it's a, I've heard from many friends that, and even just recently, like a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a friend and she's like, it's really difficult here to be a single female because um, it's just a different environment, right? I mean, well, you mentioned earlier, like there's a small expat community um, 
And I don't know what would... It, it is very common, right? Let's just be honest about it. It's very common for a Western man to have a Vietnamese girlfriend. It's not uncommon. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, you know, I've got... Uh, on the podcast, we've had Kim, who goes out with my friend Lewis, and it's, so it's completely normal. But it's not so normal that an expat woman dates a Vietnamese man, right? True. Why, why is that? Well, honestly, I'm not sure. I think it's just to personal taste like um well for i think it's so hard to like for me i could just talk about myself sure okay so for me um i really like intelligent conversation like i like talking about current events um i like analyzing situations personalities like i just find life very interesting but if I'm going to be with someone, I want to be able to discuss all this with them and like complex issues. And so for me, it's more about being able to communicate properly with a partner. And I mean, like it's, it's tough enough finding someone that you get along with and then also like speaking the same language, whether it being like actual like English language or just your same goals and I don't know, like talking about interests is just hard to find someone that you mesh with. And mm. I think with cultural differences, um, that's an added difficulty. Um, so it's language, it's cultural. Um. There are very different expectations. Like you bring that up and it's, it's very true. A Vietnamese man is expected to almost meet a woman. A woman's expected to meet a man, get married, have a baby, move in together. It's, it's a very clear um, path. Mm-hmm. And not all Vietnamese people, from my understanding, are happy with that, but they have to kind of do it regardless. And so then maybe what you're saying, do you think, would you agree that then it's difficult because even though the Vietnamese, a Vietnamese man or woman have to follow that path, it's unlikely that a Western woman is going to go down that path with a Vietnamese man. That is very true. Um, I think what, like, at least for myself, I've always been a little bit different from everyone in the sense that like I don't want to have a family like I don't want I'm not planning to have kids it's just the thing and so like that cuts out a lot of people it does a lot of people that's part of living is having offspring and like which is great for like a lot of people it's just like it's never been my thing and you know I used to get oh you change your mind you change your mind but like it's just something that I've never wanted. And so, which makes the dating pool even smaller, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> but adding that with like intelligent conversation, just like for me, I need someone who's motivated like me, who wants to get involved and also very social. Like the list is quite long yeah. and therefore I'm still single. <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for the, the right guy to come along with a clipboard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and just ticks all those boxes. Yeah. So what, have you had any dating disasters here in Saigon? Oh, uh, well, I... Okay, here's another thing. Like, I'm not on Tinder or any online dating, app dating... Um, so for, your pool just got even smaller? Then. Yeah, my pool's <laughs> even smaller. And now so... You meet people in real life? Yes, what? it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, because I'm so social, like... Yeah. I'm always out and about and I'm always meeting people. So uh, I would not say there was a dating disaster. But there was like someone that I was interested in dating, but then turned out had been 
sleeping with another friend. So that kind of just like put a stop to the whole thing. It's like, oh, that's not happening then. Because like, I'm very like rule oriented in a way. Like, I guess that makes sense because I'm very organized and I run these forums. Like there's certain rules that I go by in life and one of them is not doing that. Dating your someone that your friend's dating. Mm. It's just not cool. Most and people have that kind of rule, though, right? True, true. But, like, you know, like, the pool's really small yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there's a lot of, like, cross it. Like, you know, just everyone kind of, in the end, knows everyone. Yeah. And could have slept with that person. <laughs> and it's different if it was just, like, something in the past. But mm. it was just, like, yeah on and off then you're just like okay I'm cool with like not getting met I'm not I don't like drama either so I avoid situations that would cause drama Mm. and does that come up in the female expats group like are people like I'm single what do I do here yeah it definitely comes out comes up all the time and it's I mean it comes up in regular conversation between girls and it's just a thing like and and I don't think it's just it's part of it's being in Vietnam but I think part of it is just online dating and apps and what social situations caused in the dating world has quite changed because like for me the reason why I never use tinder and never like the concept of tinder is because it makes okay first of all you're basing everyone on their photo so it's superficial and then and then because you're swiping like left or, I actually don't, I've never okay. used it. Yeah, so you, whichever way <laughs> you swipe, too long. <laughs> <laughs> whatever direction you swipe to say no, it just like makes life like it makes like you feel like oh like all these opportunities are possible, and you're just like it's so easy to just say no, and then when you actually meet someone that you like connect with, like you just think things are disposable. Disposable. Mm. That's exactly it, and I don't like that concept where it's like people are disposable and that's what I feel like certain apps Mm. makes you feel like people are disposable it's so easy to just like say no to someone but and for me like I'm time poor like I've got so many things going on I don't want to spend hours on an app chatting small talking to people online that I don't really know and then finally meet them and be like within 10 seconds no this isn't going to work so, like, for me, like, meeting people in real life is so much better because yeah, yeah. you can decide, like, hey, you know, this person's cool, I don't mind spending time with them, or this person's nice, but just, like, really not my type of person. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... No, so, um, you've been here six years, that's crazy. So, um, a common question I've asked a lot of people, what are the changes that you've seen in Saigon? Because in just three years, the place has changed so much. Yeah, um... There's definitely a lot of changes. Food, uh, good bars. There's, like, bars popping up all the time and restaurants popping up all the time. And before, like, you know, if you wanted, like, a good cocktail, it was just hard to come by. Mm. Like, I remember when the Ratchet Room opened up, and that was, like, the first really good, like, Western bar with, like, proper service, really delicious cocktails. And I still regularly go there. Um, Like, and they've opened a few other bars and restaurants, but, like... Yeah, before, that was scarce. It was mostly people... Well, I guess, like, because I was new in town, like, your first go-to place is Boivin. And so, like, everyone goes to Boivin, and it's... It's an interesting... Have you been lately? Dynamic. Uh, I try to avoid it. It's changed so much. It has changed. I I never go there 
anymore either. I same as you in the beginning, you just have to go right. Mm. Everyone, anyone who's been here for like more than a year is like, no, you never go to Boivien. Yeah. Boivien is like the backpacker street. It's like the Kaosan Road, of of Saigon. If you haven't been here before, and uh, it's gone crazy now. Like even sometimes I've gone down during the middle of the day, or I've just been in that end of town, and like all the bars have changed. It used to be when I got here three years ago, full of like plastic stool places. You could sit out on the street. People came by with food. I went down there at night recently and all, like, on the bikes, so just, I was just, like I said, I was in that end of town and all the bars are all competing with each other for music and it, they've all become, like, super gaudy, over-the-top, themed bars. All the plastic stool places have gone and it's, they've made it a walking street. Um, so I can't think how I was driving down it, but... No, on the weekends. They've made it <laughs> a walking street weekends, on the weekends right. at was, night. It must have been during the Yeah, week. only during the night time. And it's only for a few hours, yeah. to be honest. But it's just gone crazy. There's like a Starbucks, there's a Burger King. There's, yeah. Yeah, Starbucks really wasn't here when I first got here. No McDonald's. Those all came That's while true. I was here. Popeyes all came when I was here. Wow. Um... So, like, the accessibility to Western food has gotten better. I mean, it was always pretty good, to be honest, mm. but it's just gotten, like, more over the top. And they've gotten way better at creating, making signs. So, like, before, like, you know, like, uh, like a sign advertising whatever their business is, like, it was just, like, a, a sign with a whole bunch of writing across it, your address, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, it's all Vietnamese, so I don't know what it says, but it's always, like, a sign with, like, all this writing on it. But now they've got like these giant signs that's really visual, sometimes like neon lights. And that's the one thing I noticed about Boivin when I walked down there. It's like, it's com- it's like turned into kind of like Vegas signage. Like it's not Vegas, but like it's going towards like big neon signs versus like really crappy signs with like 20 different things written on it. That's like a huge thing. But yeah. I like I do avoid it as like, much as I can, but like sometimes you my visa lady's there, so I have to go there sometimes. And like at the end of the night, and like if your group wants to go there, then you just end up going there. Yeah, it's like I, I have to be honest. It's mostly my friends that go these days, not me. Some people that I know, and it is always like the late night spot. Like, oh, where did you go last night? Boivien. Yeah. I was like, oh, because there's nowhere else to go once. After a certain time, right? Well, not true. Like you can go to Lighthouse, uh, the Observatory. Um, but they all have cover charges and mm. the drinks are more expensive. Yeah. So it really depends on who you're with and what their budget is. Yeah. And then so that's, and like with Boivin, like the reason why I don't like going there is just a lot of times you can't trust the liquor that you're being served. And because I don't drink beer, I only drink liquor. Like I, that's why one of the reasons why I carry hip flask with me, not that because I'll end up on Boivin, but like you end up on places at places where they just don't serve spirits or you can't trust their spirits in that area. I'm not saying everywhere, but like, yeah. you know, like. I read about that before I got here. You've got to be careful about the spirits and yeah. Yeah, things like They've that. They've gotten better though. They've yeah. gotten better. I've never had a problem personally, but I've, I've heard about it. Yeah. I have. I've, yeah. The FV incident <laughs> was oh, caused right. be, yeah, yeah, because of Boivin. Like, right. yeah, I got some bad vodka. That was when I was still drinking vodka. <laughs> but yeah. Pretty awful life. Yeah, I'm whiskey now. All whiskey all the way. So you still live in District 7. Where do you live now? Oh, uh, D1. D1. Oh, right. In downtown yeah. then? Yeah, actually You not... don't need to give your address or anything <laughs> like that. I live at... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I live kind of on the border of D1. Um, so it's a really convenient location because it's... Uh, I can cut across to Funyuan, Bintan, District 2, and like downtown D1, like 
10 to 20 minutes flat. It's yeah. awesome. Depending on the time of day. Depending on the time of day, <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on then to the final part of the podcast. We finish with the same questions. Now, you've listened, so you've heard all the, everyone else answer these questions. You don't have to come up with anything unique. Vietnam is famous for its food, not just Popeyes and McDonald's that we have these days. Uh, so what's your top three Vietnamese foods? Um, well, there's a few uh, that's been repeated. Um, I really like uh, Ban Cha Hanoi, which is uh, really good. They like grilled meats and put this in this delicious sauce. Um, Ban Tit Noon, also kind of like similar to Ban Cha Hanoi, let's be honest. Um, one thing that I really like, and it's not a food stall, uh, it's at this one restaurant and they serve is um, soft shell crab with passion fruit sauce. It is so good. So they deep fried the soft shell crab because the soft shell, you could just eat the whole thing. You don't need to peel anything. And the passion fruit like sauce that they have on top is superb. And what's your favorite bar, favorite beer? Okay, well, my favorite bar is probably the Ratchet Room. But then Malt is a very close second, which works perfectly. They're on the same street. So I always start off at kind of like the Ratchet Room. Uh, they have an amazing happy hour. It's 50% off of all alcoholic drinks. And then so start there and then usually end up at Malt because Malt's like really chill. It's like a good vibe. Mm, yeah, Malt's come up before and yeah, it's definitely one of my... Favourite bars, but I've not been in a while. I need to go back. And I've not been to Ratcha Room in a while either. Their happy hour is very good. And their cocktails are amazing. And the and service on, is great. Yeah. And they're on Mac Tea Boy, right? Yeah, Mac Tea Boy. So, and then, um, what's your favourite daytime place to drink? Uh, daytime, I would say the Boathouse, but I don't daytime drink that much. Like, I know, I need to change this question because uh, I don't really daytime drink either. <laughs> and everyone yeah. I've asked, like, yeah, I don't really drink during the day. Yeah, but I did hear um, the social club has really good, like, a good place to do sunsets. Where's that? Social club? Yeah, it's on top of M Gallery. Oh, I don't know that one. It's the rooftop on top of M Gallery Hotel. Mm. Um, it's called the Social Club and then they have happy hour drinks right when sun like during sunset hours. So it's a good time good place to kind of start your evening if you wanted to get the sunset. Nice. Check that one out then. And then this question I ask because I'm gonna repeat myself, but I had massive challenges in my first year here. I wanted to leave and you know Part of my reasoning for wanting to interview people is I think it's an interesting place, Saigon, because it's so confronting, it's so challenging. Um, it's not an easy place to live. I don't think so anyway. In some ways it is, but in others it's not. Why do you stay? Honestly, it's the people and the community that I've built here. Uh, it's, it's everyone's super friendly. It, life is just so easy here. Like You don't understand. Like If you need something there's someone's going to deliver it like it's ridiculous and like I've like I'm not the best at cleaning so like cleaning is like taken care of take taken care of so easily like I live in a service department and like they just clean once a week I don't have to like do anything it's amazing well I still wash dishes don't (laughs) I I actually cook which a lot of people here do not cook yeah yeah, we, we don't cook it uh, often enough. Now, the reason I ask, I guess, as well, is because as expats, we don't need to stay. Do you That's know what true. I mean? Like, we've all got this option to go back to our home countries or go back somewhere else. And a Vietnamese person, while they may have options, maybe don't have that option to be like, well, I want to leave this place, you know? Hmm. So that's why I ask, why do you stay? Because we could all just be like, yep, 
And the next question is, uh, what one thing would you change about Saigon? The pollution. I wish there was no pollution and that there was an ocean. Because, <laughs> like I said, I'm a big water person, so I wish there was like a really nice, clean ocean that we can go hang out. It like hang out at, have barbecues next to a park or something. But yeah, the pollution is the big thing that I don't like. Um, like. If you talk to any of the girls' hair, here, your hair like just like continuously falls out. Like I'm so lucky; I still have hair on my head. Like really, yeah. My cleaning lady's always just like, oh, like doesn't speak any English, but it's always like pointing at my hair. I'm like, yeah, like just like miming. Yeah, it just falls because out because of the water. Huh? Because of the water. Like I have a water filter that's helped a bit, but like it's definitely something that is quite noticeable here. Can I just say Susan's not bald? <laughs> She's got a full head of hair right now. Thank so God. It's not, not too bad. Ah, yeah, no, the pollution is bad here, and I don't know what the solution is going to be anytime soon, hopefully. I think there's a misconception, though, because most people think it's from the traffic, and what I've read is it actually comes from construction, is the biggest cause of yep. air pollution. And so I think it will be something that will get better. Like, it's something when you live overseas, or you live in your home country, or you live in the West, and we hear these terms like developing in a developed country, and to me they were always just kind of terms or phrases, and you know what it means. Since I've lived in Southeast Asia, that word "developing country" like it literally means the country is developing, which means building is what it means. Mm -hmm. It means construction. They're putting up buildings. They're building a what do you call it? The railway line or the underground system. So as that country, they're going through the development that our societies went through a hundred years ago. And a hundred years ago, Vancouver, Canada, London, Glasgow, Melbourne, all these big cities would have been horrible places to live in, but polluted, dirty, disgusting. Because they were going through their development, and they've done all that, and now because I used to live in Melbourne and the, the Yarra River's beautiful, the banks are gorgeous. I mean, I wouldn't swim in it, but it's you no, know, it's it's not polluted. But then you go back and you read. There used to be coal mines like right in the middle of the city on the river. The river was black. All of that stuff. So I think just like Vietnam and Southeast Asia in general is just going through what our countries went through a hundred years ago. So I think it will get better. Like once that development slows down and it becomes more developed than developing, but it means we have to live through that at the moment. So hopefully it will get better eventually. Well, there's a catch twenty two, isn't it? Like once it's developed, everything's gonna be like way more expensive, and like uh, the opportunities will be way lower. Um, I mean, it's kind of a catch twenty two. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're living through the development stage, but like we have all these opportunities to get into the market, doing whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why like I'm opening a bar, uh, yeah, trying yeah. that out and seeing how that goes. Uh, so yeah, so that's my new project is I'm opening a bar with my good buddy Matt Ryan, which had he's come up in conversation <laughs> yeah. in previous podcasts uh, episodes, and so yeah, we're opening a bar and super exciting. It's kind of like a pop up bar for a year and see how we nice. like it. And then uh, going from there on. Yes, yeah, we and then yeah, the, we've talked about that as well. With, I think Joanza, just the opportunities here is are incredible, and it is the cost is cheap right now. So what you're right, once it's developed, it's gonna have changed. So we just gotta put up with the air pollution. Yeah, <laughs> right exactly. Now. Get yourself an air purifier. We got an air purifier a few months ago, and I feel like that's helped. An AQ blue masks is the other tip, right? You wear an AQ blue mask. I don't wear a mask. What? No. What? That's more important than insurance. Yeah, well, it's really hot. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyone, everyone, get an AQ blue mask. Okay. It keeps out all the pollutants. I will give it a try. 
That's shocked me, Susan. I'm sorry. Um, I didn't mean to disappoint you. <laughs> so talking about pollution leads us to the next question. What's your favourite place to get out of town? Well, honestly, I've been so busy that I haven't had a chance to go anywhere in the last year. But previous to that, I was traveling a lot. And because we're in Southeast Asia, it's so quick to pop on a plane and go somewhere really cool. And in the last few years, I've been really into diving. So my answer is anywhere that there's good diving. Where's your favorite place to go diving? So far, I've been to Borneo, and that was really amazing. Oh, it's so hard, because El Nido was amazing too, but I went to El Nido like four or five years ago, so now it's quite different from when I went, but that was like my first diving experience. It was so amazing, and I went with this company called El Dive. I still remember the name, because uh, the owner was so good. And it was just like super kind, really attentive, made you feel really safe, super patient. And that's so important that you go diving with someone that's really good because like your life is at stake, mm-hmm. right? So because of that experience, like I just fell in love with diving and yeah, like diving, just go diving. Cool. And there's treat your oceans right. <laughs> yeah. There's not too many places to go diving in Vietnam, is there? There's a couple of spots, but I've, I've not heard good things about it because I do a little bit of diving as well. There's nowhere really you would recommend in Vietnam to go scuba diving? Well, um, well, it's hit or miss. Chum so, Island, off of Hoi An. been diving there a couple of times. I went there, but when I went there, the visibility wasn't very good. Yeah. It was definitely not the right time to go, but I just really want, needed to go diving, so I went. But I did rescue a cuttlefish from a fisherman's net. That was really cool. Um, uh, I've been... I got my... Um, my open water in Nacheng, um, and that was all right. I had originally gone to Kondao to do my license, but the thing is, like, they're really strict about when boats can go, and we gave ourselves four days, and out of the four full days that were there, they allowed us to go diving once, so I couldn't finish my certification. But when I did go diving, it was pretty cool. It's definitely probably the nicest dive site in Vietnam. Um, and, uh, I saw a moray eel, they were like big shelves, like it was just, it was really diverse, but it was in Kondao and unfortunately if you're going for diving, it's sometimes you can go out, sometimes you can't, um, and it's a really small town. So like there's not a huge amount of things to see, but the, it was interesting cause it used to be a uh, prisoner, like they used to keep prisoners there. And so there's quite a military presence. And so there are like uh, like touristy sites to go to. And then because it's such a small island, you can ride around on a motorbike. So that was lots of fun. Cool. Let me check that one out then. Yeah, I haven't been there yet. And then last question, um, and we've covered a lot. What advice would you give to someone who's uh, thinking of living here? And we've covered insurance. Okay. <laughs> Get um, insurance. Apart from that, what advice? Um, use grab. <laughs> Uh, to get around and don't drink and drive like people do it here unfortunately and it's so silly because the cost of getting a private driver it, whether in a car or on the back of a motorbike is so cheap here like there is no excuse why you should be riding your motorbike if you're drinking so my one rule when I go out if I'm gonna have one drink I'm not taking my motorbike and it's 
super easy to deal with and like that's kind of the rule that I go by. Mm. I think you just have to plan ahead, right? Like that's what too many people do is they don't plan ahead because you're so reliant on your motorbike here so they take it and they're like, oh, I'm going to have a drink and then it's like, oh, I've had five drinks. Yeah. Now I've got to take my bike home. That's why like I always drop off my motorbike before Mm. I go out if I'm going to go drinking. So like I generally just ride my motorbike in the daytime and in the evening time I never take it out. Good advice. And if you've caught drink driving, you're not covered by insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So to finish up, um, tell us about what's happening next. Tell us about the bar that you're opening. You've got so many projects. What's going on for the future? Well, uh, continuing on with Vexpats and Rad7, so trying to keep that going. Uh, Honey Badger events still happening. Uh, just maybe a little bit less events because I've got a full-time thing with the bar. Um, so I'm really excited about opening this bar because it really like kind of brings together kind of like my whole entire Saigon experience. It's like I just kind of want like my own watering hole where people can come and just like hang out and like chill out and so I can catch up with them. That's really why I'm opening a bar is so I can hang out with all my friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm doing it with Matt Ryan who used to um, who used to manage emergency room which has been brought up yeah. in a previous co- podcast that was a late night spot right that was like yes. where people would end up if they yeah. were like going out for a late night and it's, a, it's such a good spot yeah. yeah it was uh definitely like the go-to place i felt it was like my cheers where you feel like you're at home i walked through the door and they'd be like they would ask me if i wanted my drink which was uh at that time was long island nice tea no tequila which is like Probably the worst drink you can have when you're, like, plastered. But I'd always end up walking around with this Long Island iced tea with no tequila. Probably for most of the night because, I like, at that point, I was so blitzed. And I had to, like, I had to like train them to, like, start offering me Jameson sodas. Because when you're drunk, you're just like, yeah! You say yes to whatever they tell you. So I had to, like, eventually, like, wean them off of my old drink to, like, do Jameson sodas. Because I was just like, oh, like, end of the night, I need that, like the soda water to kind of hydrate me uh so yeah no it was, uh it's definitely not going to be a late night place like it's going to be closed a little bit earlier plus they're they've got this new law that's coming in which we'll see how it gets reinforced but you're not supposed to have a bar open from 2 a.m to 8 a.m so plus like as much as i love seeing every like you know being at a bar i just want to like close down and go somewhere else too where I don't have any responsibilities (laughs) like I said like clipboard at the beginning of the night flask of whiskey at the end um so I'm doing it with Matt Ryan and so uh, it's right below Union Jack so it's a really convenient location and then so we've got kind of access to the kitchen upstairs so we'll be doing our own bar menu but um we uh, but it's definitely going to be unique to our bar and we're going to have it's kind of like a it is kind of like a beachy Ocean based concept bar You're a little bit. You're bringing it to you since you can't yeah, get to it. Exactly. Like, I can't, I can't have access to an ocean, but maybe I'll just get that feel a little yeah. bit when I'm at the bar. So, like, that's the plan. Whether or not we pull it off, we'll see. Like, it's just, it's always, like, new, right? Like, everything is new, and you're trying to, like, figure how to, like, make it work, like, look the way you want it to. Like, what you have in your mind might not be, like, what occurs in front of you. Um, so it's definitely, like, it's definitely uh, challenges that I've never experienced. But, I like, I really lo- I'm just really excited, actually, because I just want to, like, just 
see people and hang out with them, which I do like all the time, but it's just kind of nice that like when people want to like come hang out, they'll know where I am and that's always nice. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Well, good luck with that then. I'm going to be excited to come and check it out. You're home to open quite soon, right? Hopefully. We're uh, aiming for the end of this month or beginning of July. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's getting, con uh, there's under construction and uh, we're going to hopefully announce our name like later this week. But mm. yeah, there's a, a lot to get done. We're going to do some soft openings with like close friends that are forgiving <laughs> at the beginning as all new businesses yeah, have to yeah. like work out their kinks but it'll be uh i'm excited it's uh, definitely another passion project so well thank you for uh first of all listening to seven million bikes a saigon podcast it's funny because you maybe heard me say it a couple of times i kind of go like for anyone listening and then i'm like if anyone's listening like, you <laughs> just never really know but then it's been cool to to get feedback and hear that people are actually uh actually listening so that's cool so thank you first of all being a listener and thank you very much for joining me and when i first started this you were one of the first names that popped into my head so i've got to interview susan and um, find out a bit more about everything that she does oh that's as so you sweet know, as you now understand is a lot of things so um thanks for all you do for the saigon community and all the charities and the animals and the females and the husbands of the females <laughs> and the boyfriends of the females and uh good luck with the bar thank you and uh yeah like for me, it's always I'm always happy to help and like meet new people. So uh, that's one of the things that I love to do. So if, if you guys see me, just come and say hi, and like I'd love to get to know you. Awesome! All right, thanks very much, and thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to another episode of Seven Million Bikes, the Saigon Podcast. Thank you again to Susan Lee for joining me today. As always, a massive thank you to Lewis Wright for helping, or well, for not helping, for composing the theme music that uh, gets the most amount of feedback. So if you love the music, send me a message. I'll let Lewis know. Also, thank you to Lynn Nguyen for helping design the cover art that you can see on our Facebook page, website, everywhere that you can find the podcast. That's thanks to her help. If you are wanting to listen to more episodes, then you can go to www.7millionbikes.com. Uh, you can also now find us on Google Podcasts. We're also on Apple Podcasts, which used to be iTunes, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio. We should be on there soon. We're on TuneIn Radio now as well, and, of course, Spotify. So if you're enjoying the podcast, send me a message. Let me know what you think. If there's anyone that you want to be interviewed as well, we're starting to get people send messages about that, so that's great. You can send me an email at 7millionbikes at gmail.com or just get me through Facebook. So thanks again for listening. I uh, hope you're enjoying the show and hope you can tune in for more. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, 
you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.